0: Enjoying a Mercury Draft cider. You a cider fan at all, Josh?
1: I don't mind cider. I I find apples in general a bit acidic, so I can't have more than one.
0: You've hated apples from the second you saw them. You found them the most loathsome fruit of all. <laughs> exactly. Um. How? Oh, uh, hello. I didn't see you there. Uh, welcome to Good Book Boys, a show in which a couple of uh, good boys review a couple of good books. I'm Good Book Boy number Alpha, Alex. And I'm good book boy number beta, Josh.
1: And, uh, yeah. Alex, yeah. this week, um, my book seems yeah. to come with a lot more shapes and colours than normal.
0: I noticed that as well, because there is, um, there is writing there, but they seem to be overlaid on uh, a colourful assortment of, as you said, uh, uh shapes and figures. Um, um, almost as if the novel we've been given is, uh, is graphic in some sense. Would that be fair? I think it, I think it has. I think,
1: I think I did read somewhere at the front cover that this was a graphic novel.
0: What it f- is, have we been reading? We have been reading the seminal classic Watchmen, uh, by Alan Moore, illustrated by Dave Gibbons. Circa, I want to say, released in graphic novel form, 1987. Josh, what's your experience with the, uh, well, with comic books in general?
1: Look, not super extensive. I mm-hmm. definitely, I didn't have a huge comic book phase or anything growing up. I didn't really have access to them. Um, I think the closest I came was, and, and I guess this is this is something completely different to your Tintins and your Asterix mm-hmm. and Obliques, which mm-hmm. is definitely more what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. But I think the closest thing that I had was my auntie and uncle had a large collection of the Phantom.
0: I you were going to say phantom. Graph- um, I don't
1: know if you call them graphic novels? Maybe they were also graphic have. novels, but
0: not not typically um not at least in the form they were they originally came in. I think Phantom was mostly um serials in um in newspapers you'd get a a, a stripper a, a day or something. Um yeah they, also... had,
1: they had them in book form in like a collection they, type things. Yes,
0: yes, they I, and of course you can get them in in collected formats now. Um We'll, we'll we'll discuss sort of that that difference between graphic novel and uh, and and comic in a in just a moment. But um, yeah.
1: So yeah, that was I think that was my that's the most extensive I got. Did you have you um grown up on comics and graphic
0: novels? It's one of those things. I know when it comes to the comic genre, I know more about the I know more about it than say the average consumer but not enough to classify myself as like a big fan. You know, yeah, same right. with for example, I don't know. Okay, so so like Tintin for example, I would classify myself as a big t- fan of that. Yeah. Um for something like for example, the universal horror movies of the 1930s and 40s, I really like them, but there are people who who take that to a whole extreme, and they're they're yeah, like yeah, they I know their everything fans. about them, and whereas I yeah. know probably more about you know the history of the Frankenstein film series than the average guy on the street, but not as much as as some people out there. It's probably the same with with comics in general. One of my my favorite series of comics is is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was written yeah. by Alan Moore, and that sort of I guess um, oh right,
1: same was it similar time
0: period before
1: or after Watchmen?
0: Significantly, after actually, about okay. fifteen years after. Um, but oh, wow. Watchmen is is sort of it was the is the only graphic novel to be listed on a uh, Time magazine's hundred best novels of um of the past hundred years in two thousand and five. Yeah. Um So it's, it's 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 a very famous novel. It's a very famous graphic novel. Of course, it's a very favorite, very famous um. Alan Moore's story, but um, I was always into League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which sort of made me go back through his his back catalogue. Um, do you mind if I, I take a few seconds to uh for for those um not initiated to uh to, to discuss sort of the publication history of, of absolutely, Watchmen? yeah, take I, us through I, it. I wouldn't be able to tell you if it was um if it was DC that approached Alan Moore or Alan Moore approached DC, but for whatever reason, um Watchmen was released as a as a limited series with the intention of it becoming a graphic novel. Now, if you go to um a comic book store, pretty much every single storyline is presented the the issues of the comics have been collected and they've been, you know, presented in a in a paperback form. And they're sometimes called graphic novels. That's very, very common today. Every single storyline you know they come out weekly as comics and then you get them collected as a collected edition yep. but in uh 86 87 when it came out this was actually not a really a a a big thing um it, it was sort of only sort of really special ones got released as as graphic novels and it was um this and uh frank miller's the dark knight so dark knight returns or dark knight Strikes back i think it's dark knight returns it came out the same year both releases of graphic novels and sort of um, really changed the public perception of what of what um, comic books could be. So it was a sort of a hit massively. Um, it has caused a lot of uh tension between Alan Moore and DC. Um, Alan Moore these days is incredibly uh embittered about the the whole the whole um, Comic book industry, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know as well. You know, I'm also a big fan of the Smiths and and Morrissey, um, and uh, I, I've just noticed the parallels between both Alan Moore and and Morrissey. They were these <laughs> um, youthful, vibrant, energetic figures in the 1980s, and then they just came to hate the industry that they're a part of. Yeah. Um, and they're both both in the north as well, uh, because the intention was it gets released as a graphic novel. Then after a year after it's published, the rights of the characters would go back to Alan Moore.
1: Mm.
0: So, um, and that, that's fair enough. You release, as a, you release it, DC gets the money, and then Alan, the characters go back to Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. So because it was such a big hit, DC just decided, all right, we'll just keep publishing it forever and ever and ever. So it's never actually been out of print. So the characters never went back to Alan Moore. And because of that, more recently they've, They've been able to uh, do more with the property. There was a movie by Zack Schneider, Watchmen, mm-hmm. in 2009. Have you seen that film?
1: Yes. Yeah, we'll be discussing it a bit later, I think.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I won't to say too much of it. Then um, they also came out with Before Watchmen, a prequel series, and um, they've recently come out with Doomsday Clock, which crosses over the Watchmen universe with the mainstream DC Universe. I've seen the movie, I haven't watched, haven't read any of those other series, and they've also recently come up with an HBO series, Watchmen, based in the same universe, which I haven't seen, i heard it's pretty good. But mm-hmm. it's sort of, it's sort of contrary to, to, um, to Alan Moore's original vision in, in the way that he, I guess, wanted to, uh, disrupt the status quo of what was, what was accepted in the comics at the time. There's, there's an interview of him in, you know, when it was still coming out in 85, 86 at Comic Con, and he's like, you know, Fortunately, uh, DC would never be so crass as to, you know, uh, over Rorschach with Batman or something. And now, of yeah. course, <laughs> Doomsday Doom's Clocks come out last year and they're doing the, that, there's, there's conversations between Rorschach and Batman. Yeah, um very, very big sort of legacy on the comic book industry at large. And, uh, sort of, I guess, leading into talking about it, it was this idea to I guess there's there's many different ideas behind it, but the way I see it is how would superheroes exist in the real world? Now that yeah. sort of idea has been done to death since then, um, exploring you know superheroes in our our real world, how would they function? But Watchmen mm. was sort of uh, uh, the first in its kind. I think definitely the best in its kind. Tell us about the world of Watchmen, Josh. What what are we what are we looking at in the, when we open the pages? What kind of world are we looking at?
1: Well, we're looking at a very dark and gritty kind of portrayal of. Is it New York from? Yeah, New York in
0: 1985. So when it was written, it's sort of an alternate 1985. Yeah, New York.
1: Yeah. Um. So you get kind of very kind of the underbelly sketch. Of New York, we kind of, we get scenes in Vietnam, um, cause obviously it's around that time, mm-hmm. um, or just after that time. Um, where else does it take us? Uh, I mean, we get to see Mars for a bit. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but, but the big takeaway, and I mean, this is, this is applicable to the entire comics, the story as well, but there's just a big kind of, um, dark, gritty tone to the whole. Graphic novel, which, um, yeah, kind of creeps into every nook and cranny of the thing.
0: Yeah, it's not Superman's metropolis where everything is sort of futuristic, looking forward to a bright new future. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's hope for everything. Um, and part of that is because, uh, it's set in 1985, as we said, and it's sort of a alternate 1985 in which superheroes emerged in the na- late 1940s, and as they would in real life, they changed the course of human history. Now, it should be said there's only one actual superpowered character in this, mm. Dr. Manhattan, he's the only one who actually has super, super superpowers, but his powers are immense and as of course would actually happen, uh he changes the course of history as he said. So we get little hints to the way that the world has changed, and we'll talk about those in a second, but uh the United States has won the war in Vietnam, which of course they didn't in in real life because they've got this godlike superhero on their side. Mm-hmm. Um but uh by the time the story takes place, superheroes have been outlawed, except for a handful that are working with the U.S. government. And it, it begins with the murder of one of these one of these um, government superheroes, um, a character called the Comedian. Uh, talk us through what was your reaction to to these characters? Did any stand out? Did you dislike any of them? It sort of follows. Uh, sort of a group of of six Watchmen, which is sort of like the superhero group, the, the most recent superhero group. Uh Did you like these characters? Any stand out? Did any not make sense to you? Talk me through it. Yeah, so I think I'll start off by
1: saying that, because the, there was obviously a movie done. You re, you said that yeah. before, right, Zach Snyder. Um, I feel like my uh experience of this graphic novel was somewhat, I don't know if hampered's the right word, but mm-hmm. um. Maybe tampered with, um, from seeing the movie, because movies, at least the first half from memory, was fairly panel by panel. Mm, <laughs> so mm, mm. when I was reading through the first half of the graphic novel, all I had in my head was just the flashes of the, the movie, which was mm. annoying. <laughs> yeah. But, um, in terms of characters, I think the strongest ones for me, um, were Dr. Manhattan, mm-hmm. Rorschach, uh, Rorschach, and the comedian. Okay. Um and then the rest are kind of felt like a rung or two down in terms of interesting or mm-hmm. um attention grabbing features. Um would you like, say
0: those other three uh Night Owl, Silk Spectre and Ozymandias who later becomes Adrian Veidt? Would you say yeah. they're the most relatable though? Yes, I I I could agree
1: with that. I guess um the the Night Owl, um, mm. is probably your everyman. He's kind of yeah. the voice for yeah. your everyman. Um, <laughs> he kind of just bumbles through the graphic novel, really goes into his day to day struggles and, mm. um, and all that kind of stuff more so than what you get from, uh, yeah, Rorschach, Dr. Manhattan and the comedian. Um, so I guess there's that kind of juxtaposition to show that. Uh, This is rooted in the real world, and Mm. these are real people that, you know, have taken up the mantle of being masked vigilantes.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the most interesting things, is not only how would these real people, particularly Dr. Manhattan, affect the development of the real world, Mm. um, but what what kind of person, and I know this was something that Alan Moore really wanted to explore... What kind of person puts on a mask and goes out at night to fight crime? And we can see, you know, um, just in the way, you know, the, 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 the personality quirks, whether they're extreme or slight. In the real world, you'd have to be like that. For, you know, for example, I, I sort of seen Rorschach as sort of analogous to Batman in, in that they're both, you know, dark and brooding and sort of, you know, violent, um you know these grim figures watching over the city. Broshak mm. in in this story is as you have to be. He's essentially a fascist, and that's something I think I didn't. They sort of glossed over um, in the in the movie. They didn't really get into his, his political leanings, but he's written as a as a, as a fascist character. He sees yeah. there is no grey area in his morality. As as Batman would be in real life. If you take it upon yourself to go out and decide who deserves to get the snot kicked out of them, you're saying, I know what is right. I know what, what right is and what wrong is. Mm. Um, and I'm, I, I've taken upon myself to act on that. And I, 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 I really like the Rorschach character in that, you know, even though he is a fascist, there are some, as with any real person, there are some really admirable things about him. Um,
1: you I, know, what it, I, what has, I
0: really, Go on. Just to jump in there
1: on that, I, what I really like about him is that he there's nothing that moves that conviction right to the end. Yes. Like nothing nothing yes. breaks it yes. down. It's just what you get from the start it goes right through, um, a, and nothing wavers that character's determination for um,
0: yeah. some of these things. Yeah, which is an admirable trait, especially you know when he is given this, this terrible choice at the end about whether to keep a secret, uh, we won't go into too many spoilers, keep a secret or reveal it. And there's no, he says, no compromise even at the end. Mm. And that's really admirable. Um, that's great. You know, we all wish we could have, we, we could stick to our convictions like that. Um, but then also we see how difficult it would be to be around somebody that, uh, lives their life like that. He's incredibly hard to be around. He's, you know, he's antisocial. He's not a nice person. Mm. And one thing, one thing they touched on this, which I think is lost in the film adaption, he's got really bad personal hygiene. And it's <laughs> yeah, just, it's really, it. it's really hard to go or, or like admire someone who smells really bad all the time because they don't look after themselves. I think that was sort of one criticism, one big criticism I have for the movie you walk away and you think, "Wow, Rorschach's really, really cool. I want to be yeah. like Rorschach." But you're not. you not. I don't think you're meant to. I think you're meant to really think, "Wow, you have to be messed up to do what that guy does." And as we see from the the, the backstories, he definitely he is. is. Yeah. Any is. other thoughts on
1: the characters? The main, would you say, villain? Maybe, maybe villain's not well, the right word. Well, but...
0: well. Unlike in the world of regular comic books, we're not sure who the villain is. You know who's right and who's wrong, but continue.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's true. Um, Anyway, the the well, I don't even know how to classify him now. You know who I'm talking about. I they he kept he keeps being referenced as the smartest man in the world. I just didn't really understand his place in the in the novel whatsoever.
0: So complete completely agree. So we get this part at the end where he has this master plan that comes through and works, all right? In that in that sense, I that's like his master plan. But you're right, he's known as the smartest man in the world before that and you never get that impression really. Like no. you never you never there's no scenes that really articulate his intelligence. Now, I will say I did read this twice. I read it once for the storyline and then I read it um I read it again with sort of an annotated guide and mm-hmm. One thing I missed was, and I think you do have to read this multiple times. I I I picked up so many extra things reading it again and again. Um, So many things in the Watchmen universe are branded by him. It's his brand. Everything from like sneakers to toasters to like Mm. cars that pass on the street. It's his corporation it's his company so i guess from that sense you can make the assumption that you know he's he's intelligent because he's 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 bought his way into everything but you don't have to be that smart about you just have to be a ruthless businessman i wish there was more um scenes that really uh highlighted just how intelligent he was besides his his master plan at the end i agree with you i mean like i yeah i guess to to pull off that
1: the master plan we're referencing, you know, you have to be, you have to be somewhat intelligent, but I do feel like it was just given as a, um, you know, with that moniker, it was just taken mm. for granted, um, and, and not really, you know, told, not shown type, type situation. Yeah. And also, which, which kind of leads me to talk about the pacing of this mm-hmm. graphic novel. And I'm not sure if this is something that because it's released, uh, and it was a release initially in serial, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well,
0: as 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 different issues, as twelve different issues. Yeah. 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 yeah that's yeah. That's I mean. um, yeah.
1: Also, just as a side note, before I launch into this, so when you were discussing publication earlier, so am I right to believe that there was nothing else that came after this? In, um, of, not, in this original, normal original, not until recently.
0: Not until two thousand and eight. Yeah. Or whatever. See, that's
1: see, that's so fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. The pacing of the whole thing is a bit strange um, because you're kind of in 12 volumes mm-hmm. they need to give you the backstory and the motivations and the interrelations of all the characters yeah. as well as push them towards or, or the through conclusion. a plot and then to yeah. some sort of conclusion. And I mean, I guess it's kind of playing out throughout the whole novel, but it kind of feels like it starts with a hint towards something and then you get this, you know, the, the middle maybe ten volumes is then dealing with other things, and then the last two volumes kind of really hype up this plot and put you back into it and speed it right to the end, um, which I felt was a little bit... Distracting? Yeah, it's a little bit distracting. It would have been nice to maybe, like, if it was done differently back in the day and there weren't those, you know, behind-the-scenes dramas and stuff, to have Mm. a bit more of an extended series Mm. um, and to allow it to play out a little bit more. And I think that would have solved some of our issues with The World's Smartest Man. We would have been able to have a bit more time with him, understand what he was trying to do more in-depth, and yeah. maybe even, and this is probably my biggest, my biggest criticism is feel the consequences of what happened more. Um, yes. Well, okay.
0: T- expand on that, you don't think those consequences were touched on enough? Yeah, well, because it happens in the
1: last volume and you only get mm. a couple, couple pages mm. really to kind of see the initial reactions and then it's, mm. and then it's kind of, and then it's over and you're out of the world and so it's kind of, yeah. It kind of makes it feel a little cheap, I think, for me anyway. When okay. I finished it, when I finished it, I was like, oh, now we're done. And I guess I'm okay. never going back into that world again, and cool.
0: Which, look, um, is probably the rationale behind the most recent TV series, which I think does explore, again, the same universe set. I, I could be completely wrong, but I believe it's set in the modern day in the same universe, like, followed on from obviously the events yeah, that right. happened here. Yeah, so that'd be really the med- interesting to yeah. see. Um, and it's similar, the series they did, uh, before Watchmen is, is as it says, before Watchmen, expanding on some of the events that are alluded to in here. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that, so that criticism is purely, purely on kind of the actual plot that was <laughs> happening. That's not, I, that's not, um, don't draw from that, that I didn't enjoy my experience. I really enjoy, mm. and mm. I'm, you know, I've been exposed to Watchmen before and I, I really appreciate its, um, its different tone, its different, vibe from you know the other comics the other superhero yeah. stories um i really like the inventive um characters that are in there I, 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 the art styles beautiful um mm. and all that kind of thing i just think given those limitations um of having 12 volumes and, and i mean there was probably grand intentions to go on with the series and i think you're um you know, you've enlightened us a little bit with that. Just didn't happen, and
0: well, well, I should I should clarify. Alan Moore never wanted to push on with it. Alan mm. Moore said, "Nope, this is the story. Really? This is this is all we're saying." He, you know, he, he's sort of mortified that it has been continued at all because he, he his idea was this is the story. It ends, as you said, it's a bit ambiguous. But if we look at especially the last page. Um, there's sort of a reference I mean this isn't a, much of a, a spoiler um, but on the very last phrase that's spoken is from one character or another and he says I leave it entirely in your hands and he's talking about something that's on, on the page a reference to the story but I also read that as like a message to the reader I leave it entirely in mm. your hands What ha- what happens next well that's up to you like there are different ways that this could, this could go. It's the reader's, um, decision. But it's very interesting that it left you, I guess, wanting more. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to see maybe it go on for another six volumes just to okay. see how it played out, see, uh, a little bit more of how, you know, that plan affected the world and whether mm. it truly did achieve everything that it was intended to achieve. And if
0: it will indeed get found out and exposed, you know yeah, exactly
1: how so i what I found really fascinating, obviously, this is a you know generally a a book review podcast, mm. um which you know, and when I say book i'm I'm meaning in the traditional words, and that's it on the page. page, yeah, um, yeah. I did find it really interesting, um the extra scope that a graphic novel allows the authors and artists to use. Mm. When telling a story, because I mm. find it quite interesting um, all the uh, ways in which you can be telling a story uh, in one way with the words and have a different story um, that is its own thing but is also kind of reflecting the story of the words um, play
0: out at the same time. Yeah, uh- and this is, this is like, uh, uh, you know, I have read Watchmen before this. I haven't read it for a few years. And when I read it last time, I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's a really cool story. What I got from this time was just the absolute, and uh, you know, forgive me if I'm gushing too much, the mastery of blending the text with the images. I think it's just done so well. There are so many times in which, um, Without even realizing, and that's why I had to read this annotated guide, the things that are being said by the characters are reflected somewhat ironically in the image that's, that, that's being displayed. And I think yeah, what you're referring to is the comic within the comic, uh, the Tales of the Black Freighter, which is like a popular comic book at the time. And the way in which the we see a character reading that and it shows excerpts from it, I should just stop at this point, Um, but I just think it's a cool touch, pirate comics in this universe are really, really popular because superheroes were a real thing, superhero comics never took off and instead pirate comics became really popular. So we get a character reading this uh, very famous pirate comic book and are you referring to how the text in this fictional comic reflects what's happening in the quote-unquote real world of Watchmen?
1: Yeah, I think that's where it's most obvious. That's where it, it uh really comes to your attention. But I think it's happening all throughout the novel. Mm,
0: absolutely. Um
1: And it's also... Uh, and, and I also think the other place where it's quite obvious is with Dr. Manhattan. Happens quite a bit with him. Um Whenever he's around, he's kind of... There's a lot of him speaking while other things are going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I mean... I really I I, I never appreciate until this reading just just how good the art style was and how much is just crammed into there you know there's so many I guess references to the world you know magazine covers and and um newspaper covers and just things and graffiti and things happening in the background you know for example we get uh, I think a reference just a newspaper just discarded on the side of the the, the page and it says like um NASA approves uh moon silos, you know, implying that unlike in our world where weapons in space are prohibited by treaty, in this world they're they're allowed, and you know, just like um, you know, little uh, newspaper headlines about uh Nixon being reelected for a fourth or fifth term, whereas <laughs> of course, yeah. of course, in real life, you can, in. United States you can only serve two terms but because Nixon was so popular after he won the Vietnam War thanks to Dr. Manhattan um you know that's that's been overturned just really like tiny little there's so much detail crammed in yeah, it really, it's very you know, dense in that way it's incredibly dense and I you know you hear this a lot but you, you just you've got to read it like once or twice and just take your time with it to look at at what's happening um even, like, for example, I'm just flicking through it now, you know, one of the issues deals entirely with Dr. Manhattan's sort of flashback and, you know, his his origin, you know, he's reflecting on everything that happens. And just through the flashbacks as it goes forward, um, Dr. Manhattan is wearing less and less clothes because mm. as time goes on, he's less connected to humanity. Why would he care about clothes? Um, it's just, a, you know, a little touch like that. One thing I will I will say that I thought thought still confused me and does confuse me. And they do reference it in the in the in the novel and they do sort of talk about it more than once. Dr. Manhattan he is essentially God. He sees past, present and future simultaneously, right? Yep. But so many of the plot elements rely on him being surprised about things or finding out about things. And this is I should clarify this is referenced in the text one of the characters says how how is that possible how can you be surprised by things when you see the future and the past and the present simultaneously um but i didn't get how that worked and also the fact that he is essentially a godlike character um you know we 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 get one reference for example of uh of of the comedian who's another us um government sponsored superhero he manages to resolve the Iran hostage crisis. You know, he becomes, you know, he, he saves the 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 real life hostages in in Iran in uh, 1979. But why why would you need why would you need the comedian who is just a really like strong superhero, yeah. but not superpowered when you've got this god? Like the fact that he is so incredibly overpowered, it makes you think well, like why 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 is there even a cold war going on? Why can't this guy go into Russia and click his fingers and dismantle every single nuclear warhead they have? That's uh, that—that's that sort of conflict I had. It's just—he's uh, obviously meant to be overpowered. He's meant to be godlike, but that—that—that that, that should resolve all of the United States' problems essentially.
1: Well, it's—it's it's interesting. They do have—they uh, do have a section in the, in around where you're talking where yeah. He effectively says that I'm paraphrasing hugely, yep. but the what I what I dissected it to mean was that he is um he's limited to what will happen um and what has happened and what is happening. Like he whilst he is kind of a godlike figure, yep. it, it kind of was like he can see things that are happening and he can do things but what he still what will by happen, it. what has happened and what is happening is what Will always happen in the future, always be happening, always happen in the past, and he's kind of bound to it, and he can't, like, no matter what he does, that's not gonna change. That's how I kind of was seeing it, so, it was yeah, kind I, of, they, it was kind they, of part of, part of having to go through that, that he would be surprised at certain things and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yes, yes, even though, it- yeah. It, Look, like, it, it's probably just that one, one extra step of like existential thinking that I can't get my head around. But yeah. you're right, they do take the steps to sort of to sort of um reference that as well. Yeah. Um but I do agree like <laughs> it,
1: it, I mean it's a massive challenge for an author or in or anyone creating stories in general when you have a character that is like you know a, a godlike being cuz it just yeah. it just it just makes it really hard to continue to have a plot line and a storyline um
0: which because, is i th- sorry continue i'm cutting you off Here you go I was just
1: going to say because you know plot and story and things happening kind of are born out of limitation and when you but yeah. you remove limitation it's like oh well <laughs> we have no story yeah.
0: Which is often a criticism of, of, of Superman. You know why? In the real world, Superman would. Um, th- there's there's no 11 because Superman gets there in time, stops the plane, saves everybody. Exactly. And I think it's great that they explore that the limitations of Doctor Manhattan are not what he's capable of doing, but his his isolation and his disconnection to the world. You know, it's yeah, not. True. He, he's just he's just losing interest. He doesn't he, because as you would if you were that powerful, mm. you would not. Um, that engaged with the affairs of humanity, like what is what is you know a, a nuclear conflict between nations. If you're a god, it's you know it's akin to two ants you know crawling over each other. It, it means nothing, which I think was a a great exploration of how these superheroes um, w- would would act in the real world. Yeah, yeah,
1: and for me, I think Doctor Manhattan was is probably the strongest element in mm. the novel. It held my interest the most, I think, um, seconded by Rorschach's um,
0: origin story section. Mm, mm. There are a few recurring motifs throughout, um, and this is again a reference to sort of how well Dave Gibbons does the art. Sort of, for example, uh, if you look at um, pretty much essentially every... Almost every analog clock in the page is like presented at five or very close to midnight, um, mm-hmm. representing how close, you know, humanity is to destruction. We've also got this, the, the iconic bloodstained smiley face badge, mm-hmm. um, that is, that is sort of iconic of the series, but you look throughout and actually I'll get you to stay on after we've done recording. I want to point some out to you just to show like how, how well they, they splice it in there, things like that. But also just things like just little Easter eggs or little like messages to the reader. Um, for example, there's there's a scene where um, the news vendor, who's sort of used as I guess this this exploration of of the ordinary man, we cut to this this news vendor um, mm. talking about the current situations as a way to sort of I guess give reader an insight into how a common person would react during this time. And he just, you know, he, he's talking about something entirely different, entirely um unrelated to, to superheroes, but he says, I bet there's all, all kinds of things we miss. And if you look in the background of that panel, there's a character that is... Essentially, that panel gives away Rorschach's identity before you find out who Rorschach actually is. It's just <laughs> in the, really? sort of hidden in the the background of that image. Or... um. Yeah, just, just, just like amazing things like that. Just so much time and effort put into, um. Yeah, they clearly had
1: a lot of fun with all those things.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's great. And it's just like, it's, there's so many layers and so much depth. I really can't sort of praise the, the interplay of, you know, it's more than just someone writing a story and someone doing illustrations. It's, it it really is a a fantastic interplay of text and, um, and image that I, I haven't seen replicated, um, in any in any medium, I think it's fantastic. Sending this message to Josh 10 minutes after we finished our Skype call because I forgot to mention one thing. So in real life, the Nixon presidency was undone by the Watergate scandal, which was uncovered by Washington Post journalists uh, Woodward and Bernstein and orchestrated by Nixon aide uh, Gordon Liddy. And in the world of Watchmen, this reference to to journalists called Woodward and Bernstein being found dead and sort of implicating that the comedian may be responsible for it, while Gordon Liddy is is seen with Nixon all the time. Nixon's always talking to Gordon Liddy, implying that the Watergate scandal was never uncovered in, in the Watchmen universe, which I only bring up because Gordon Liddy died today, as in the day we're recording it. And I can't believe I forgot to mention that. It was seen very fortuitous. But I was too busy talking about how good Dave Gibbons' art is, which, to be fair, it is um, really good in Watchmen. So, yeah, crazy, right? They're not that crazy. Anyway, back to uh, back to Alex and Josh from fifteen minutes ago. What What did you think? What did you think?
1: I think um, that it is. I don't know if it's quite an acquired taste, but mm-hmm. it is something that. You need to be prepared for when you're opening it, I think. Um, if you think that it's another comic book, um, you will be surprised, not disappointed, Mm. but you just, I I just think given the darkness and the, and the, the grittiness of the tone, um, of Watchmen and the issues uh, that are tackled therein, I think it's handy to come at it knowing what you're in for a little bit. But yeah, I think. It's, it's, as we've, as we've mentioned, it's super dense. There's heaps in there to unpack and to kind of pour over. Um, mm. and, and because there are only 12 volumes, you don't need to, uh, you don't need to rush. Um, and I think, you know, it's a really fascinating read. It's really well done. The art style is, um, super gripping. And, you know, but, but for some of those, criticisms we've had it you know it's mm. it's a really amazing uh, piece of documentation that's obviously held the imagination of you know a few generations given that it was written in you know the 1980s and we're sitting mm. here in 2021 what's mm. that 40 years later and it's still you know we've had <laughs> as you said at the top there's a whole bunch of ip that's coming out much to the yeah, dismay of yeah. Alan Moore but yeah <laughs> um so you know if i if i was a if I was a good
0: reads man um mm. I'd probably be giving it
1: four out of five
0: there you go um so many things I could mention about this um but and and i wish i I wish I could sit down with someone and just point out all the things that well actually I just got them from a website as well. I was just reading an annotated version but uh chapter five, the fifth issue is entirely symmetrical it um the, 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 the issue is called fateful symmetry, and it's set out symmetrically. So, the layout of the panels will be symmetrical from the very center page. And not only that, the characters will only appear in a symmetrical order. So the, the, the story begins with, I think, four pages of Rorschach breaking into someone's apartment. It ends with four pages of Rorschach breaking out of the same apartment. Um, just, I mean, who, who, who does that? Who has time to, to work that out and to make sure that your panels are laid out in a symmetrical fashion?
1: Potentially why he didn't want to do any more.
0: I mean, I can imagine. And, and like, I haven't read before Watchmen or the more recent Doomsday Clock, uh, but I, 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 I can't, I can't see it happening now. You know, I've always, I've always known this is, this is a comic that that gets lauded all the time. And, you know, as I said at the start, it's credited with rejuvenating the, uh, the comic book industry and changing public perception of what a comic book could be, or graphic novel, I should say. And when I read in the past, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good graphic novel. Reading it again, I understand entirely why it's one of the best all the time. And I will give it five stars.
1: Wow. That's the first mm. five stars we've got. I might have to yeah. put a little uh, sound effect in there for that.
0: So please do. Um, but yeah, um, uh, highly recommended. Check it out. But I, I would say, <laughs> not that you guys don't have enough on your plates, but I'd say read it once and then come back in like six months. Read it again, slower, and really take your time with it. Don't read. It's not saying you can read to just plow through. Um, there are as as I've said so many times, so many different layers that you pick up on each time you're reading. So, read it, appreciate it, read it again, love it. Josh, what else are you reading?
1: I am reading Mrs. Dalloway at the moment. Um, which is
0: by, don't tell me, um, um, why do I know that name? Uh, Mrs. Dalloway, who's that by? Which
1: is by uh, Virginia Woolf. Yes. Um, yes, it is. And I'm lying. Edit
0: uh, it, really it, it in, so I got the uh, the answer right. Okay, I will. <laughs> but said Pooh, I lied.
1: Um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, I, uh, I mean Virginia Woolf, she's she's known for a reason. Um, some of her other novels I've read as well are denser than this one, so I'm quite enjoying. Um, having different. some of yeah having getting getting her kind of grammatical style um, but in a little bit more of a digestible way um, so i 'm about halfway through, so i'd definitely recommend if you are looking for a classic um, that 's not too long of a read i think it 's only two hundred pages or something, um, Mrs. Dalloway would be the way to go, and we also um on our trip away, we went to the uh, book swap second hand bookshop in One wanthaggi which was uh, amazing it's this, like multi room um just hundreds upon hundreds and upon hundreds of of second hand books um and we we picked up quite a few so i've got a few things um on the burner to read um what are, yeah, you, I don't, what are I, you
0: i don't i don't want to question your good book boys uh, credibility but uh, how are you with bookshelf space at the moment
1: Um, we are almost at peak capacity Mm -hmm. with our bookshelf that we have, and we're about ready to, like, I'm looking at it right now, and there's three that are not shelved and just sitting Mm -hmm. side-prone, um, Mm -hmm. in front on the shelf. (laughs) So, it needs to, it needs to be sorted soon.
0: No, I mean, I wish I was, I wish I was, I wish I was not so materialistic that I could, I could do... All my books as eBooks, but I, I do like, I, I like having, I like touching, I like touching books, you know? I, I, I need to have the real thing. I, I can't do the e-books. So, to answer to your question, uh, what am I reading? Well, as you know, Josh, I uh, I do host a podcast called uh, Radio Tintin, which is on Instagram at tintin.podcast and on all uh, podcast apps as Radio Tintin. So, I'm always going through it, Tintin. Um, We've got a new episode in the works. We do... Uh, Bloody hell, Josh, it's so it's so difficult committing to having the best Tintin podcast, because you can't just read Tintin and talk about it. You've got to read Tintin, and then you've got to... Re- For example, you've got to read the 1966 edition of Black Island, yeah, right. but then you've also got to read the 1943 and the 1937 edition of the Black Island so you can correctly inform listeners how the editions differ each time. So I'm waiting on shipments from Europe of... Old editions of these Tintin books so I can correctly, uh, correctly review it. But, um, yeah, you've, you've committed to being a Tintin historian. That's it. I've got to do, I've got to do it right. Like, yeah. And if there's like, if there's a, a reference book or a resource book about Tintin or about Urge, I'm like, well. I've got to buy that now and I've got to read that and I've got to like make that part of the research. You know, I it sounds like I'm complaining. Literally no one asked me to do this. This is do- <laughs> I'm doing this literally because I want to. Um but I I I can't I can't just sort of crank out episodes as much as I'd like to because I really want it to be um definitive. But you know, Absolutely. looking at looking at these these Tintin albums, it has sort of I guess sparked an interest in in I guess uh, more um more I don't want to say children's fiction, but for example, I, a couple of days ago, I bought the entire Sesame Street library, which is a, a set of like educational Sesame Street books, just because. I have been seeing these pop up on Instagram. They're great. Like, I just, you know, I, I, I'm i really beginning to appreciate, um, illustrations more and just these, these fun like pictures of like Sesame Street characters. I, I love it. So, you know, I'm going through those, you know, I'm looking at, you know, uh, Peanuts by Schultz, um which I was never really that into, Charlie Brown and Snoopy and stuff like that. It's yeah, a lot of fun. Way. Um more seriously though, um I'm trying I'm looking around at the many, many books. Actually that's that's oh, I'm currently reading what am I reading? Um Do you remember we read Secret River in high school? Mm. I'm currently reading a different book by the same author for one of the students that I tutor. Was that she? Um, was it Kate Greenville. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. to say either Grenville or Greenville. I'm reading another book which also deals with colonial Australia. I guess she's got a thing, which, hey, fair enough. Well, you know, Sylvester Stallone makes the same movie every single year. Like, and he's got more money than God. Like, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. Do, do what you, do what you're, you're best at. Um, but currently reading that, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. But I, as, as I'm reading, I'm just thinking, hmm, what would Tintin have to say about this? <laughs> um, and I also will recently, uh, my, uh, my other podcast series, uh, Gatsy on Goosebumps, um, will be sort of rebooting soon. So that's good, you know, um, it'd be great if I was earning a cent from any of these endeavors that I'm wasting so much time on. But, uh, no, I'm just, I just give myself more, more tasks to do because I know I, 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 I enjoy it. So that's, that's, uh, you know, when you're, when you're our age, Josh, you can have, you can have you know your life and, and your work and you can have like you can have one hobby that you can dedicate yourself to I've uh, too many hobbies too many things on the go like I for for, for someone who's not capitalizing on them in any way and then again, and again why am I doing this did someone beg me to do it no I just decided I wanted to do it so there's really no one to blame but myself um, I, I, anyway. think the, I think the money's coming. It's coming. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you're, you're late on your payment, mate, so let's, let's, <laughs> let's not talk about it. Josh, do you know what we're going to... Before we talk about what we're going to read next week, uh, where can we find you online?
1: I am at Hot Cup of Jazz, uh, on Instagram, uh, that's just Hot Cup of Jazz. I post irregularly, um, but I do have something in the works, which hopefully I'll be able to announce at some point in the near future.
0: So jazz fans, get on Hot Cup of Jazz on Instagram just to be ready, and, uh, uh where can we jazz- find you? Where well, can find me? Oh josh where can't you find me <laughs> all right if you're into Tintin, uh, follow me on latte Richer underscore on instagram that's l-a-t-t-e-r-a-t-u-r-e underscore because someone took latte Richard without an underscore um but uh also um if you're into Tintin tin podcast on instagram and uh goosebumps.podcast on instagram as well that will be uh starting up very soon plenty of places to find me Stick to Latte Richer if you're not sure. If you like, if you like, I like the cut of this, um, Alex Guy's jib, but I don't know which one of his 40 podcasts I'd like to <laughs> subscribe to. Just, just follow my main on Latte Richer underscore, I should say. And Josh, sorry, you go. I, I heard you breathe in to <laughs> just, <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just going to say, oh, I head to your website where it's all kind
1: of neatly. It's fun- all there. Yeah. I
0: like to think so, including this website, um, including this podcast uh, com easy nice and easy um, there 's podcasts there for you to choose from. Um, pick one. You know, I mean, throw me a bone for God's sake. I am, <laughs> I am torturing myself with copious amounts of what changes Urge made between nineteen forty three and nineteen sixty six. Like, you know, d- subscribe at least for for God's sake. I n- need the support. But Josh, what are we reading next? Well, I want to say next week. Uh, ne- what are we reading next episode?
1: Well, next episode we are heading back. To our traditional form, um, Mm. with a novel called *Before the Coffee Gets Cold*. Never heard of it. Who's it by? Toshikazu Kawaguchi. So it's in translation. Yes. Trying to think if it's our first in translation.
0: It Uh, might be. be. Yeah. So, um, what made you pick this one?
1: I liked, you know, I like coffee, so. I, I read the title before the coffee gets cold, and the art style was, was quite nice. Oh,
0: you're going to be pissed if the coffee's actually a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, So that's what we're going to read for next week. Fantastic. I look forward to it. Um, In the meantime, though, I have been GBBN1, Alex. And I've been GBBN2,
1: Josh. And as Andrew- we always say...
0: Only use fresh books. If, if the book rattles, throw it away.
1: Until next week.